only thing you're going to answer. Who were you in the story? If it helps you to close your eyes, feel free to do that if you want to keep them open. However you will listen best. This is the story of the lost son. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all the money in wild living. About this time, his his money ran out, and a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that he even looked at the paws that he was feeding the pigs, and they looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to a census, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all the time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So around your table, with your leader guiding you, just simply say who you were in the story. We're going to go through this again. Well done. Well done. I love it. We've always got one person who's a good shusher. We're going to put ourselves back in the story again. I'll read the entire story once more, and this time 
now that you've figured out who you found yourself to be, I want you to think through what you felt as that person. So the next question we're going to ask is, what did you feel? We won't ask why yet, just what did you feel? Read the story again. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned both against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son. You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This time, around your table, just share what you were feeling. So feeling words, not why, just what you were feeling as that character in the story. No? Yeah? Good. Good. All right, we're going to read through this story one more time. One more time. You've heard it twice. You've put yourself in the story, and you've, you've allowed yourself to feel a little bit about what that character in the story has felt. This time, we're going to read it again, and I want you to ask yourself, why did you feel that? As the character in the story, why did you feel that? And if you really want to go deep, which I would encourage 
does why you felt that in the story relate at all to your faith journey now? Why you felt that feeling and how does that relate to where you are at now in your faith journey? To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so angry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to a census, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So the young boy returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. His father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him, but the brother replied, All these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours come back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So now around your tables, I want you to share why you are feeling the thing you described you to be feeling and if and how it relates to your life right now. We'll have a little bit more time to talk because this one has the potential to go deeper. So let's go ahead and do that around our tables now. Back together as a large group. If you haven't had a chance to share, I would encourage you after the, uh, after the service, sit around your table for a few more minutes. Or maybe let this sink in 
today. I know for me, one of the most impactful times in my faith journey was when I did something similar to this and uh, actually realized, wow, that's where it is. That's where I'm at in my faith right now. I want to spend some time praying. We're going to take offering. I'll share a few thoughts, and uh, we'll worship in song as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a story like this. I thank you for allowing us to be put in the story and for allowing us to, to see kind of who we were and what we felt. God, I ask that uh, as we have made a connection with real life, that we won't leave this story without thinking further about what it could mean, about what the emotions we felt could mean for us, about things and, and ways we need to, to, to reach out to you further. I thank you that as a community we could share this together. Lord, this morning I want to I pray for several in our body. I pray for Bruce and Chris England as we've been praying for. I pray you'd heal her, Lord, so that she can once again start the chemo. Lord, I pray for, I pray for Jerry. Uh, same thing, Lord, as, as he takes this chemo, as he rests in between treatments, I pray that you would just be present with him. Uh, thank you, continue to thank you for his, his spirit as he's going through this. And Lord, this morning I pray specifically for Dick Winters as, uh, as he learned this morning that his mom fell and broke her leg. So I pray, Father, that you would be with him as he's at the hospital with her. I pray you would bring healing to her. And uh, Lord, I pray you give him grace and, and, and patience with her. Uh, Lord, the winters have been through a lot this, uh, this spring. I pray that you would just be present with them. And Father, as we've been doing for quite some time now, I want to lift up another church in our community. I pray, Lord, for First Naz, First Nazarene down the street. I thank you for them and for the ministry they have going, Lord. I thank you for the ways they are able to draw people into their facility. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that even in the busyness of that, with programs like Upwards, that they realize those are simply tools to reach people. I pray, Lord, that those tools would bring people to a living and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that is their heart. I pray, Father, as Pastor Bill has brought in a consultant with the church and they're looking at what their future is, I pray that you would give wisdom and, and sensitivity uh, as, as they go through this process together. Um, Lord, point that church in the direction you want them to go in the future. And Lord, I also ask, as Pastor Bill has shared with me, that, uh, that the two services they hold would not see themselves as, as adversaries, that the contemporary and the traditional would realize we are part of the same church and we are worshiping the same God. So I pray for a unity amongst that body. Lord, I thank you that we get to be brothers and sisters in Christ with them and with the other churches in Spokane. And I pray that you would grow your church here. We are wanting a revival in this city, Lord. We are wanting people to see a saving and a living God who is radical and wants to have a part in their lives. Help us, Lord, as a church, as individuals, be able to be houses of peace in our own community so that people can see you. I thank you for what we've done so far this morning in the service, Lord, and I pray for the, for the rest of it as well. I pray for the offering that we're about to take. I, I pray it would be a genuine act of worship. That in giving back of our tithes and, and offerings of the things you've given us, we would be worshiping you well. I pray you'd use the offering to further your kingdom. We thank you for it. We thank you for what you are doing 
uh, in and through us as a church. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As our offertory this morning, we're going to play a song over the, uh, over the speakers with the lyrics on the screen. It ties in with the prodigal son, so I encourage you to reflect on the words as it goes through. following along in your bulletin order of service, you're going to see that we're now going to really mix things up. Um, where'd he go? 
Oh, he's in the bathroom. Well, all right then. We may cut. We may stop the sermon about halfway through. <laughs> How many of you have ever been to one of those local restaurants that has that uh, magazine on it called Tidbits? You know which one I'm talking about? Magazine may even be a little bit strong of a word. He's back. Good. Don't sit down too long. Um, those tidbits, they're usually front page and back page of just random facts. Random facts that uh, may have a specific theme, uh, maybe something to do with airplanes or church or, or a zoo or something, and somehow they tie it together. Now, over the last several weeks, we have been looking at the lost parables found in Luke's Gospel, the 15th chapter. We've looked at the lost sheep. We've looked at the lost coin, and this week, you've already been able to put yourself in the story of the lost son. Uh, there's been other subtitles for this section, uh, the prodigal son, or the forgiving father. This morning, we get to see lived out live a picture of the prodigal son, and here's where we will uh, kind of switch from our order of service. Richard needs to make sure he catches the bus to get back to where he's going this morning, and I'm going to preach longer than when he needs to go, so... Uh, Richard, come on up here. For those that don't know Richard, Richard is in a sort of way a, a bit of a prodigal. Yeah? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Um, Richard came to know Christ four or five years ago when it really connected in Pendleton, Oregon, on a youth retreat. Uh, he was one of my youth staff and just totally understood the aspect of a forgiving father and, and what that meant in his life. And things went really well for a little while. And then, similar to the story in the prodigal son, um, kind of made a few choices that landed you somewhere elsewhere. Now, you weren't exactly wild living um, because you were behind bars. (laughs) So it didn't get too wild. But some of the things that led you there was some of the the wild living. But uh, you're, you're now back out. And it's fantastic. We've got a great little process in place to, uh, I mean, the, the system seems to be doing, doing well by you, where we can ease you back into family life. Um, you're kind of at a, a transitional home work release. And uh, last week in our story of the lost coin, uh, Richard came to me in the back and I said, what are you doing here, man? You, you know Christ. Yeah, but I've been lost. And I'm, I'm once again found. And we talked about baptism, had a chance over this week to to talk over the phone about being baptized. Normally, when we do a baptism, we actually film the person being baptized and let them share a little bit. But because Richard couldn't make it to us uh, with the regulations at Brownstone, um, we talked over the phone. He knows what baptism is, and uh, we're we're excited to be able to do this this morning. Do you want to share anything, or you don't have to? Um. If you do, you don't got need you don't need I that. Well, yeah, but we're we're recording this, so oh, we're recording this, so that when um. when you got to talk it here, right? <laughs> um, all I can say is, you know, I've made a lot of choices in my life, and uh, everything that's happened, I wouldn't change any of it because of the person that's made me now. I mean, I left my family, yeah, and that hurt, but to be able to see where I'm at now. And the way that I look at things now, I would never change any of it. So, I mean, it was a blessing. I mean, obviously, there was a reason why everything happened the way it did. Because I feel I've grown and I'm a, I'm a much better man. Now, over the last three years, three plus years that you've been in, we've visited some. Uh, we've had long stretches where I haven't visited. You know, I've, 
I've apologized for that. But we've, we've seen how God's kind of used that time in there to really grow you closer to him. Um, you've spent a lot of time in the word while you've been in jail. You've spent time talking to other people. And you really understand who Christ is yeah. and what he's done for you. And, and you recognize that uh, only through him uh, can you have a truly changed and transformed life. Yeah? Yes. Good stuff. We're going to baptize you. It's not too cold. Which is good. I'm not, I'm not sure when it, was, uh, when it was filled, but I felt it this morning and it's not too cold. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah, climb on in. We're going to try and make sure I don't get electrocuted as we go in here. We'll hold this up. You know, somebody who has been really close with Richard... Or somebody willing. Would you guys come on up here and we'll pray for Richard before we ask him the standard questions? Let me get in first so I can catch you. (laughs) It's not cold, Richard. It is not cold, Richard. Hey, uh, grab that mic. We'll bring that over here. No. <laughs> Very good. Um, we got one or several. We're going to let Billy pray. Everybody else, go ahead and you can reach out. You can grab Richard. Don't dunk him yet. That's my job. Father in heaven, we thank you for the power of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost who now lives inside of Richard and will facilitate all of his choices so that he can be the man of his house, a husband to his wife, father to his children, a brother to us all. And we thank you, Jesus, for your redemption and your, the work that you're doing now. We just praise you that when we were absent in Richard's life, you were not, Lord. And that your eye was genuinely on the sparrow and you were watching over him. And as his family, we're so grateful and appreciative to you for doing that. And so now as he goes into the waters of baptism, we pray and we expect that the new life will be born in him and will grow and will produce much fruit, yea, even a hundredfold. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Hey, look around. Look at the support you're getting. This is great. Now you guys go sit down so everybody can go watch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make it water. <laughs> hey, uh, Billy, here, stick, stick around. Make sure I don't electrocute myself, okay? Or me. Or you. <laughs> I'll just grab yeah. it. Richard, a couple standard questions that we normally ask. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Yes. Do you have faith that the, and the assurance that your sins are forgiven in and through Jesus Christ? Yes. Do you renounce the ungodliness of the world, the former decisions and the former life you've made, and will strive to live according to Christ? Yes. Will you accept or will you actively participate in the life and ministry of his church? Yes. And do you accept the Old and New Testaments as the authority in your life? Yes. Now, by this act of baptism, are you publicly proclaiming that you are a Christian? Yes. Very good. Don't choke me here, okay? Richard, since you have... Oh, come this way. There we go. Because you have confessed your faith in Jesus Christ, it is now my honor 
and pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I love you, man. I'm looking forward to where this goes. Tidbits. Richard, you got to take off at what time? Uh, I got a few minutes, so I'm going to go drive and come back. You got to, okay. Someone told me. 40 after? Good stuff. Someone told me to stand on a towel. Oh, man. That means I have to stay in one place. <laughs> the beauty of the story of the prodigal son is it leaves us hanging. N.T. Wright asks, how can we celebrate the party of God's love in such a way as to welcome not only the younger brothers who have come back from the dead, but also the older brothers who thought there was nothing wrong with them? So we're looking at ten tidbits, narrowed down to two tidbits. And the first is this. The father's actions in the story would have been unheard of. This tidbit could be talked about for hours but we're just going to give it about five minutes. First, something as simple as the father running in verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran into his son. In that culture, no senior figure would ever run. They were too dignified by it, or they were too dignified to run. Now secondly, there was the love and compassion that the father had demonstrated. It said again, while he was still a long way off, the father was filled with love and compassion, ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That's not the way you treated wayward sons in that culture. You look back at Deuteronomy chapter 21, and it talks about a couple of parents bringing the wayward son to the town gate, to the elders of the town, and they would stone that person. They would kill him. So instead of having this son taken out to the town gate and killed, the father runs to him, kisses him, is filled with compassion. Now then you get the gifts that he bestows upon the son. 
Verse 22 and 23, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the fatted calf. The finest robe. If you look at other places in Scripture where that term is used, it's used of what the angels were wearing in Mark chapter 16 when they were at Jesus' tomb. It's used also in Revelation chapter 6 verse 11 to talk about glorified believers. These robes were meant for the guest of honor, not for a wayward son. Now the ring on the finger could have had a seal on it, could have been a signet ring, which represented a son's membership in family. This was a ring for a son, not a slave. Sandals on the feet. Sandals were a symbol of wealth. Now this kid comes back so poor he doesn't have sandals. But a son has sandals and a slave does not. Dad says, get the sandals. This is my, this is my son. And he says, kill the fatted calf also. You kill the fatted calf on major religious festivals, like the Day of Atonement. You can see this in Judges or in 1 Samuel. This was not an everyday normal meal for the Jews. And it was not a meal you'd serve to a kid who'd been out wandering around doing his own thing. These were unheard of actions by the father. Now, if you've been here the last three weeks, or if you know the stories of the lost parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and now the lost son, you'll realize there's a lot of similarities in them. But there's also some pretty significant differences. Here's the differences. As a sheep, the total accident in getting lost. You remember, sheep don't like being alone. They don't do well alone. So more than likely, the sheep got so caught up in eating, he unintentionally got lost. For the coin, it's not the coin's fault it got lost. It was the woman's fault. Maybe we as disciples, maybe we don't do a good enough job and somebody slips through the cracks. It's not that person's fault. Nuts, we lost another one. As the son, here's another difference. There was intentional leaving, purposeful lostness. He thought through what he was going to do. Those are some of the differences. Now listen to the sameness in these stories. All of them had someone searching, looking intently, welcoming it back. There was no tongue lashing. There was no prove it. You're going to be good, prove it. It was nothing like that. It was simply welcome back and let's celebrate. One commentator said the sheep went lost through sheer foolishness. It did not think, and many a man would escape sin if he thought in time. The coin did not get lost at all. It was lost through no fault of its own. Many a man is led astray, and God will not hold him guiltless who has taught another to sin. And the son deliberately went lost, callously turning his back on the father. Now catch this. But the love of God can defeat the foolishness of man, the seductions of the tempting voices, and even the deliberate rebellion of the heart. The love of God can defeat the foolishness of man, the seductions of tempting voices, and even the deliberate rebellion of the heart. It was interesting. I started a book this past week called The Prodigal God. Timothy Keller writes it. And in it, he says, prodigal actually doesn't mean wayward. It means spent, to have spent everything. So he calls this, this story about the, the prodigal God, the God who has spent everything to get back what he has lost. Interesting take on this story. 
on how we are worth everything for God to give. I want to pray. We'll sing one more song and we'll wrap up. Jesus, I thank you so much that you have demonstrated through these lost parables that we are worth searching for. We are worth everything to you. We are worth you coming, putting on human flesh, sacrificing yourself for us so that we can no longer be lost but can be found. And I thank you, Father, that a, a celebration takes place to celebrate those who were lost and are now found. God, I thank you again for Richard, for the return of this wayward son of ours. I pray we would welcome him into the family well, welcome him back into the family well. Lord, may we be people who are willing to give everything to bring back one who is lost. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us one more time as we sing.